Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are in the middle of a series called Clean Heart. We're dealing with the heart because your heart can tend to attract some problems. And we have discovered that when your heart attracts problems, it puts separation between us and God. But the good news today is that we can change. Amen? Amen, we can change. But in order to change, we must confront some things because we cannot fix what we are unwilling to address. And today I'm gonna deal with a topic that's serious, it's significant, it has impact on people both inside and outside of the church. I wanna talk about the issue and the heart condition of lust. I wanna talk specifically about pornography. And if you are new today at Bright Church, you're joining us online, uh, welcome. What an interesting week to join us. And if you've never been to church before and you hear this, you're like, I knew it. You guys are always talking about this stuff. Um, No, we don't. Uh, We are not the sex police. We are not here to try to tell everyone what they have to do. And we're not here to judge you. But the reason that we're talking about this is because this issue of lust and pornography is serious and it impacts so many lives, both inside and outside of the church. And the truth is we should talk about it more than we all already do. Now, as I said, we are not here to judge anyone. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person that's in here today that can say that they are close in their relationship with Jesus because they were amazing and they were self-righteous. No, everything we get, we get from God. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. And if there is anything that I talk about today that strikes a chord or resonates with you or that there is some element of what I say that is just true for you, I want you to know, number one, that as a church, as Bright Church, as a a, a team of pastors, we are for you. We are not here to judge anyone. We want to help you to grow. We want to help you to get past this. We are uh, in your corner, right? The second thing I want to say is that if anything I talk about today is a struggle for you, you can win this battle. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, you can win this battle. When I was younger, Uh, Many years ago, I remember I went to a friend's house. His parents had gone out to the shops and he said to me, hey, I want to show you something. I said, okay. We went to uh, his bookshelf and he pulled a book out of it. And I think it might have been an encyclopedia when they came printed. And so he he opened it and he looked up the the word sex and it, it came with a picture. I'm pretty sure it was a line art, like a line drawing. And he showed me this and that was my first exposure. Uh, Okay, so let's admit, okay, that was a pretty low level exposure, but he was kind of interested and he spoke to me about it and I didn't really know anything about sex. And then after that, I've got to be honest and say to you, uh, I must have been sheltered because I didn't really come across any anything uh, significant until I was in high school. And I remember there was a, a, a group of guys at school and they were huddled around something, you know, like a fireplace. They were huddled around something 
And I went over and I said, hey guys, what's going on? What are you guys doing? And they said, oh, we're just looking at something. I said, what are you looking at? And one of these guys pulled a picture out of his pocket that was folded up. It was an A4 piece of paper, clearly from a magazine. And he put it in my face so close that I didn't even know what I was looking at. I had to take a step back so I could focus on it. And there I came across the, the most explicit content I'd ever seen in my life. And if you were in high school back in the 90s, or earlier, the way that you would come across high-level explicit content would be normally printed. It was printed in a magazine, and if you wanted to get your hands on any of this stuff, you had to go to the naughty section of the newsagent where they put all those magazines together. And I guess, I don't know, maybe they had, I'm sure they had special bookstores for uh, people back then, but you know, you had to buy it, maybe slip it into a newspaper, slide it across and say, I just want all of this and no questions, you know? And so then you would just have to buy it all once and take it home and you know when when we when our culture had that level of exposure i suppose there was this you know level of anonymity that people didn't have but the world is different it has changed the world has gone digital we understand this and so today if you have an iphone if you have a laptop if you have a nintendo switch let's put it this way if you have access to the internet or a device that has access to the internet it has access to pornography and you're going to be able to easily come across it at the click of a button and since it's so accessible and it's easy that is a big challenge because Jesus said something important to us he said everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart ladies it does there's no loophole here works the other way too okay so ladies if you look at a man with lustful intent then you've already committed adultery in your heart it's just a principle and and so Jesus when he said this he was really making a point that I think we need to take stock of and be aware of he was saying that even your thoughts matter to him when we read the Old Testament, they were enamoured with behaviour. It was, don't do this, don't act in this way. When Jesus came to preach to people, He said, no, I'm going to trace the fruit to the root. And I'm saying that your behaviour began, began in the mind that all the things that you act out, it begins somewhere first. It begins in the mind before it becomes behaviour. And so he's saying, you've got to be careful about what happens in your mind and what happens in your heart. Because whatever you think, eventually, if you think about it long enough, you can act on it. Now, the word pornography actually is two Greek words that have been put together. The first word, porne, it means prostitutes. The second word, graphene, comes from a Greek word meaning the writings of. In other words, the first pornography that we have really recorded is the writings of prostitutes. And I guess, you know, if, if anybody said to their significant other, baby, I just buy it for the articles, they were right because they were only articles, okay? It was all read. You had to just read it. There was, of course, this is back in Jesus' day. They had no, uh, no printers, no nothing, no photos. So it was all to be read. And that might challenge us today because we're like, is it really pornography if all you're doing is reading it. 
And I think what we need to do before we even really dive into the topic today is to kind of define what pornography is. Because if we begin this journey with different ideas of what it is, then we might emerge from today thinking that some things are okay when in fact they're not. What I want to do today is to give you five things that I believe any of them or all of them would be considered to be pornography. And so this is not just things that I've made up. This has come out of research. This is what it is. Number one, anything that's sexually explicit. That, that would be obvious. Number two, anything that displays intercourse. Number three, sexual acts. Number four, anything that arouses people. And number five, anything that contains nudity. It could be one or all of those things. Now, when I say some of those things to look out for, I realized that we're almost dealing with a bit of a sliding scale here. Because one of the things that I listed was anything that arouses a person. Now, I understand that there are some people that have a high threshold and some people that have a low threshold. And this is where your heart really matters. If it's something that's arousing you, then that should be the warning symbol to you. The warning light should go off. And if you find something arousing, even if it doesn't contain nudity, but it's something that's really piquing your interest, then that is something that you should probably just take a big step back from, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Our culture, I wanted to define pornography because our culture is so casual about this topic, so casual about this issue. In fact, researchers have gone and discovered that amongst young adults aged 18 to 24, when given a list of things that they thought could be considered immoral, young adults in that age bracket thought that not recycling was far more morally heinous than watching pornography. Yep. Like recycling, disgusting. What's wrong with you? Like the milk carton falls into the wrong thing and you accidentally send it out to the bin. You're disgusting. What's wrong with you? We need to sit down and have a, a, a big chat. But pornography? Yeah, well, you know, everybody looks every now and then. That's the casual attitude with which people treat pornography. And this is serious because if we treat it casually, then it allows it into our lives. And the problem is, is that on the internet, the internet and pornography are so closely related now. They really do go hand in hand in some ways. It's so accessible on there. And I wanna tell you that as time has gone on, when it comes to pornography, it has become more explicit, increasingly violent, there have always been there has always been this undercurrent of racism in pornography and the other major problem is that it fuels the sex trade industry which is worth billions and i would love to tell you today that all of us would agree and all people would agree that those things that i just spoke about were wrong but the research would reveal something completely different there are many people that have no problem with any of the things that i just said so why am I speaking about this to the church? Well, the truth is, guys, the statistics inside the church and outside the church are not that different. And so we can all be on the same page today. I thought I'd just share with you some statistics among Christian people. How about this? Among Christian teens, 6% of Christian teens are seeking out pornography daily. 12% of teens are seeking out pornography weekly and 18% of teens are coming across it 
when they're not even looking for it. And if you're here today with your family, don't want to create any awkward lunchtime experience for you, but this is real. Why am I speaking about it in church? Well, how about this? The average age of exposure to pornography in our culture is now nine years old, which means the average age, they're actually getting exposed at a kid's church level. We absolutely need to be speaking about it in the here and now because this is damaging people's lives in a serious way. How many people? So glad you asked. 68% of Christian men admit to intentionally viewing pornography on a monthly basis. 33% of Christian women admit to intentionally viewing pornography on a monthly basis. In other words, you get 10 guys from church that all profess to be Christians, statistically, seven of them are intentionally watching pornography every month. Get 10 women, three of them, 10 Christian women, three of them are intentionally viewing pornography every month. And this is having far-reaching impacts on people's lives. And I told you, this is an issue inside the church, but outside the church, it is worse, but not much worse. For example, outside of the church, 79% of all men, Admit, in the age brackets, I should say, of 18 to 30 years old, admit to viewing pornography intentionally on a monthly basis. And if you think that you can watch that kind of thing and it won't affect your life, you'll just watch it and and it won't impact you in any way, I'm telling you right now, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. How about this? Adulterers are 218% more likely to have looked at pornography. That should make an impact on you. For those who pay for sex, they were 270% more likely to have looked at pornography. What I'm saying is, is that if you watch it, what goes into the eyes goes into the heart and eventually it starts to become your behaviour. It can impact your behaviour. So when it comes to Christian people, just so you know, Christians are pro-sex. We're all for sex. That's why churches get married young. We are all for it. We're, you know, you know, good, great, sex is great, but we do think it comes with some boundaries, some boundaries that God has put in place. And that is honestly another message altogether. I want to stay on point with this message because pornography is a big issue with serious and significant consequences. There are so many people that have lost their faith, so many families that have been destroyed, so many churches that have been split because people have developed addictions in areas that they really shouldn't have begun in the first place. I want to read to you out of James chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured, and that is easy in a digital world, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. If you're a person 
that in your heart of hearts, you realize that pornography actually does appeal to you, even though you know it's wrong and you choose not to watch it, but it does appeal to you. It tells you that there is something on the inside of you that is still being conformed into the image of Christ. You can't be tempted with something that you don't want. Make sense? Let me give you an example of this. You will never find me at three in the morning, creeping out to the fridge at night to snack on some coriander, you know, secretly. It will never happen, right? I'll never do it. You'll never find me hiding coriander in my pocket and when nobody's looking, eating it. I'll never do that. You know why? I'm not tempted by it. You know why? Because it's disgusting. There are two types of people in this world, people that don't like coriander and people that need prayer. Serious, casting out kind of prayer, okay? So, so I'm never gonna be tempted by coriander because I don't want it. But you know, if you're tempted by pornography, you're tempted by nude images or any of the things that I spoke about, it's because there's something in you that God is still working on. The good news for you is that God can still work on you and He wants to help you. Verse 15. It says, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. It's a progressive thing that happens. It starts here and it ends up there. It begins in the mind, it becomes behaviour. And, you know, the Scriptures say that there's a serious consequence for that. What is really sad about the thing that we're talking about today is that for a lot of people, it's almost something that's happened to them. You know, for a lot of people, their issues with sexual addiction have begun because somewhere they went through a traumatic sexual experience that changed them on the inside. And it is a sad reality that a lot of people get sexually molested and it creates issues. That's something that's happened to them. I do believe that God can work in people, of course, that, have, that, that that's happened to, but it triggers something in them. And it changes them on the inside. For some other people, the truth is, they've just crossed the boundary that they said that they'd never cross. If you have been brought up in the church, then you would probably know that there are guides and rules that God has put in place around sex. And let's just say this, if you grew up in church, you would probably have this awareness that looking at pornography is wrong. But then somewhere people have crossed a barrier. They've crossed a boundary, something they said that they would never do. And it's created an issue in them. For some people and the things that I'm talking about now, they are not just things that I'm making up. This is out of research. For some people, the reason that they view pornography is because they're just bored. You know, they're, they're, they're looking for something to do. Some people are curious. They just want to find out. Curiosity is probably the lowest level and it just begins with curiosity. But if someone starts there saying, oh, it won't be a big deal. I just want a little look. The, the reality is that those things begin to happen very quickly and people progress very quickly. So some people are curious. Some people are bored. Look, if you're past, looking to pass the time, take up a sport, learn how to play cards, connect four, I don't care. Just do something. Do something with your time other than try to pass the time for looking at this. Sadly, amongst young adults especially, they are looking for tips in the bedroom. And I want to say that pornography is probably the worst place to find tips about how people should engage each other sexually. This next thing that I talk about, is the favoured reason among elderly people. Elderly. Let's not pretend that pornography is a young person's issue. 
Amongst the elderly, they say it's actually safer to view pornography than to have sex. So it's the preferred thing to do. But it doesn't matter how you view it. The point is, is that it's got far-reaching consequences. It carries a heavy penalty and it creates addiction in people's lives. So when it comes to pornography, this is what happens. It starts to create a vicious loop, a, a vicious circle. Sometimes people will call it the lust loop. Now you remember that James said this. He said, a person becomes enticed by their own desire, by their own desire. There's something on the inside that, inside that appeals to them. And pornography is the lure. You know, it's there, it's accessible, it's easy. And should anyone go for that lure, they can easily get hooked. Let me explain how the circle works. It begins with acting out. Because when you, when you grow up, especially if you're in church, you, you understand, of course, you know, that this is something that you probably shouldn't do. If you've been outside the church, maybe it's new information to you. But a lot of people would probably understand that this is something they wouldn't encourage their kids to necessarily look at. So it has to begin somewhere. And it begins with acting out, acting out of character, doing something out of character, and it triggers the loop. After watching it, the next thing that happens is that people feel shameful. If, if you're watching pornography and you don't feel any sense of shame, that's the most dangerous place to be. There should be some sense of that. Increasingly, our culture is moving away by embracing it and saying, no, it's fine, but no, it's not. So what happens oftentimes is that people feel shame. And, you know, even though we have a supportive community and culture, uh, you know, and, we, and hopefully churches have this everywhere, the reality is, is that most people would understand that their peers, their spouse, their uh, parents would not approve of that. So what happens next is that they keep it to themselves. And if they keep that to themselves, what is the result? Well, in the dark is where those things begin to manifest and they feel terrible and they just want to feel better again. So how do they feel better again? They go back to doing the thing that made them feel better in the first place and the circle is complete and now it's on repeat and it's not just a circle it's actually more like a downward spiral that takes people lower and lower if you decide or if anyone decides they're going to quit watching porn you should just know a couple of things watching it releases a cocktail of chemicals into your brain I actually did all the research. I was gonna go through it all, but for the sake of time, I'll just say, all kinds of chemicals are released into your brain, including dopamine, which is incredibly addictive. It's what gives people that, that high, that sense, that feeling, that pleasure, that enjoyment. It releases it and immediately people want to experience that high again and it starts to become addictive. If someone decides that they want to try to quit, pornography and they're not going to look at it again and there must have been so many people especially Christian people that have said I am not going to do this anymore um, that's it that was the last time uh, never again is this going to happen well you can experience some withdrawals because in some way especially if you've been doing it for a while you're becoming chemically addicted to it so you can experience some withdrawals you can experience mood swings you could be high, low. You could experience anxiety. And you know what? Even headaches. Why would someone have a headache if they quit pornography? Because it's not just something that's happening on the outside. 
It's something that's happening on the inside. It's something that's happening chemically in your brain. And so people experience it. It's, it's honestly like, you, you, I don't know if you, you probably can't identify with this, but it's like trying to quit crack, you know? It's like, you know, I don't know, there might be someone here that's done that, but, but the point is, is that it's serious. It's really hard for people to get off. Now, should you say that's it and you make it past that first month, well done and good on you, you you're doing great. But statistically, in the four to eight week period, the research would say that it's at that time that you are likely to relapse. And should you relapse, the enemy of your soul will come to you and say to you, you worthless person, can you not even please God? You can't make Him happy. You can't even do this for a few months, right? What is He trying to do? He's trying to put shame on people. Because if shame is put on people, it can insert them back into that lust loop and they want to start to feel better again, which drives them back towards the very thing that they're trying to get free of in the first place. And I want to tell you this, that if you are trying as hard as you can to break this cycle and you make a mistake, it's not like you've gone back to the start and nothing you've done has even made a difference. You are building strength. You are building stamina. And I'll tell you a truth about the God that we serve today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that He came for us before we'd done anything right. So on the path to pursuing right, doesn't it make sense that what He wants to do is to help you restore the brokenness? The Bible says that He came for us when we were sinners. So if we're declared righteous by Christ and what He's done, how much more does He want to help us at this point? He is with you in the journey. And I've said this already today but I'm going to repeat myself as a church, as bright church, as pastors in the church, we are in your corner. People are not here to judge you for the mistakes that you've made, but we want to see people get free of this because we understand the impact that it has. Now, should you get past that eight week period and you go all the way to 90 days, you are going to be in many ways, even chemically, you'll start to become clear. You got to get past that first 90 days and then it gets a lot easier. After 90 days, you'll become more emotionally stable. Your focus begins to sharpen. Your focus begins to sharpen. Your sex drive begins to return and you get closer to Jesus and your spouse. One of the reasons why people's sex drive goes down when they watch pornography is because to get the same hit from that dopamine, oftentimes the, th- the content that's being viewed, it needs to become more depraved to become more exciting. And I'm not just making this up. This happens for a lot of people that get caught up in the cycle. But should you get past that 90 days, everything that was broken starts to become restored. And that is encouraging. What I think is so sad is, you know, honestly, over the years, I've seen people and I think, wow, why aren't you more engaged in ministry? There's clearly a call of God on your life. I I can see it. Everyone can see it. Why aren't you living out this call? And after years of pastoring and meeting with people, I've discovered that for a lot of people, the hidden thing, The reason why they wouldn't engage in ministry is because they had a pornography addiction. 
and they didn't feel right about stepping into ministry while they knew that that thing was there in secret. And what I think is terribly sad and so disappointing is when people aren't living out the call of God that's on their life because they feel the shame of this addictive thing. It is ruining people's ministries. I wanna tell you that God has created you for more than that. And you have to live with this mentality, realizing that God has called you to so much more. So from an early age, make sure that you don't get caught up in this stuff. For some people, when they're younger, they think it's okay. I'll just look at pornography in this season. I know what God has said about sex and marriage and I should wait till I'm married before I have sex. So if God has told me to do that, I tell you what, I'll just use pornography as an outlet for the desires that are in my heart. But when I get married, everything will be better. Everything will be better. You know why? Because once I'm married, I can have sex every day. Cue the laughter from all the married people. Because the married people know that that's just not true. That it doesn't work like that. And if you've been married for more than five years and you're having sex with your spouse every day, you're running the next marriage course that'll be sold out in this church and around the globe. We could sell tickets to it. Everyone wants to know what your secret is because the truth is it just doesn't work like that. And if you start something before you get married and think you'll just give it away, it'll magically disappear when you get married, it won't. And what you begin before your marriage, you will just carry straight into your marriage. And if you carry into your marriage, now you're in real trouble. I tell you the truth about porn. People wanna watch it to spice up their love life, to spice up their sex life. If you're a, a person who's thinking that this is gonna be helpful, I'll tell you, it does the exact opposite the exact opposite. It kills your sex life. It destroys that intimacy that you have with your spouse. And research would say that the more exposure a person has to porn, the less satisfied they are in the bedroom with their spouse because they develop unrealistic expectations expectations about what should be done in the bedroom, expectations about how their spouse should look. And you know what happens if you are caught in that situation it ends up making people feel isolated. It can ruin their marriage and their relationship. It kills people's confidence. It fuels shame and guys, for a lot of guys, it creates erectile dysfunction. That's not good for your marriage. That's not good for your spouse. That's not good for anyone. This is an absolute killer of intimacy with your spouse. This is how serious it is. And so I think a lot of people have tried and they've prayed and said, God, take these desires away. But there's nothing wrong with sexual desire. God put it in you. It's, it's okay to have sexual desire. The problem is that it can be misused. The good news is that you can win this battle. 
You can win this battle. You'll notice that I didn't say that you should fight this battle. No, you don't want to fight against it. You don't want to be in close proximity to your opponent. You don't want to be in the ring saying, oh, I think I can get pretty close without, you know, I can fly pretty close to the sun without being burnt by it. No, 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 no. Get out of the ring, right? You, you know what? If you're in the battle with it and you're thinking, I, I think this will be okay. I can get close, but not cross the line. No, 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 no. Forget that. Get the gloves off. Get out of there get out of the ring, start to run down the street and say, I want nothing to do with this. Don't fight it, flee from it. Don't fight it, flee from it. There's nothing wrong or shameful about that. There's nothing wrong with having high standards and saying, I can't see anything. I don't want to watch anything because it doesn't take much for some people to get hooked. I was reading a book recently and the author of the book said, that they realized they made most of their mistakes on their mobile phone after 10 p.m. at night. And they decided, logically of course, that it makes sense that if they just can manage everything after 10 p.m. at night, they shut down the window of opportunity. And so, you know, if all of the mistakes that you're making or a huge portion of the mistakes that you're making, they happen after 10 p.m. at night, well, just get rid of your phone before then. What should you do with it? I don't know. Give it to your parent. Give it to your... Yeah, I can see teenagers going here. Please go through all my messages. Yeah, you know, like, but, but get, get rid of your phone. Like, hand it off to someone else. Maybe spouses at 9.30 at night could just swap phones. And if something important comes up, they can say, hey, such and such texted you just to let you know, right? Yeah, guys, you'll live. You will. Yeah, I know. I just, it's like I just said, cut your hand off, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, lop your hand off. Well, you know, Jesus said something about that, didn't he? You remember what Jesus said? If, if, if getting rid of your iPhone feels like cutting your own hand off, Jesus would be all for it. This is what he said. In Matthew 5, 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Gouge out your eyes. Cut off your hands, you know, and as I, you know, I could just assume that everyone is doing very well with this thing today. You know why? Because as I look out today, I see a lot of people that have not gouged out their eyes and nobody to, to my knowledge has lopped off their own limbs, okay? You know, but maybe you understand, like I do, that actually what Jesus was saying is what we call a hyperbole. It's an extreme example to make a very important point, which is what? Get, do anything anything that you can to get away from the stuff that's going to drag you into sin, that's going to drag you into separation from God. If you've got to gouge your eyes out, cut off your hand, he's, being, he's saying, you've got to take this serious. Do everything that you can to get away from it. I was with our staff one day at the shopping centre. And as we were all walking along together, towards us came a scantily clad woman. As she was walking towards us, I thought, nah, I'm too good. I'm smart about this, right? Don't even look in her direction. I'm looking away, right? So as we're walking along, I just became intensely interested in whatever was the shopping center that was, or the shop that was on my left. So here I am staring at it, right? And then I, I realized um, when my eyes began to take focus that the shop I was actually looking at was a shop called Honey Birdette. Yeah, if you don't know it, don't even look it up, right? But... But I, I must have just, well done, Pastor Ben. You looked 
so clean in that moment as you were intensely focused on a honey birdette as you walked, right? Like, I must have looked like I had serious problems, much worse than anything else I would have looked like, you know? And, and here I am and I go, don't want to look there, look over here. Oh, it's there too, right? It's just everywhere. Maybe I would be better off if I gouged my own eyeballs out because it seems to be that everywhere I look, it's just anywhere, right? It's everywhere. It's like you can't look anywhere. Man, it's like a minefield out there. You know, I realise that lust might come out of the heart, but you know how it got in there? Jesus actually gave us a big clue, didn't He? He said, it happens when you look. And I'm, I'm certain of this, but even visually impaired people are going to struggle with lust. But I would tell you this, the research would say that people that intentionally look at pornography, they're going to struggle so much more than people who don't look at it. It does something in you. It changes you on the inside. You've got to be careful what you look at. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Job who was so serious about it. He said he made a covenant with his eyes that he would not gaze upon a young virgin. What he was really saying is, I'm not going to look at any other woman sexually except for my spouse. And I don't want to see anything. I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to look away. And I think that that is good advice. What do you want to do with this topic of lust and pornography, right? Flee from it. Get away from it. Sometimes you've got to stop what you're looking at. That's helpful. The second thing you can do is to get accountable. That's another way that you can do it. The Scriptures say in James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. That's a command. The imperative there is a command. Confess your sins to one another. In other words, you've got to be open and honest about this. As I was doing my research on this topic, one of the things that I came across, of course, and, and you probably or maybe you already know, is there is software that you can install on your, on your laptop and on your iPhone. And I guess the truth is, if you really want to get around that stuff, you probably could create a way. But if you want to be helped, if you want to move forward, it could be a good idea to install that on your computer. And even though, in all honesty, it wasn't an area that I was struggling in, when I realized how easy it would be to begin the loop. Just because it hasn't been a struggle in the past doesn't mean it won't ever become a problem in your future. And so I realized there's just as much chance that I could act out, I guess, as anyone according to everything that I've read. So maybe what I should do is install it on my computer. So I did and it cost some money. But at the end of the day, I thought, you know what, that's fine. Set up my account accountability partner, everything gets emailed through to Sarah. It takes screenshots of everything that I look at on my iPhone or, or on my computer and it just sends it straight to her. Why? Because we've got to be so serious about this topic, so serious about this issue. Don't even be around it. You know, there's a story about a man with incredible integrity that God was using in the Bible. His name was Joseph. And Joseph, one day, he was caught in a terrible situation where his boss's wife was saying, come on, let's have sex, right? And he just thought, I'm not hopping in the ring to see how close we can get before we cross the line. He just what? He just got out of there. He ran down the street, left his jacket. That became a problem later on. But the point is, the point is, is that the man of integrity said, I want nothing to do with this. I'm just getting out of here as soon as I can. And I think we've got to take the same attitude as he did. I think what we need to do is just make it a lifestyle, a lifestyle of integrity, not a last resort. And this is the last ditch effort to try to fix a problem that's already gripped me. 
I love what Craig Rochelle says. He says, why resist the temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? See, accountability is not about calling you out. It's about calling you up. It's not about calling you out. It's about calling you up. You've been created for more. And don't give away your ministry call, the grace of God on your life to do things on behalf of the Kingdom of God because you dabbled in an area that ensnared your heart and destroyed your future. You gotta flee from it. The other thing you need to do is don't conceal it, reveal it. Don't conceal it, reveal it. You know, we cannot fix anything that we're unwilling to address. And I know that there are, you know, it's a good idea to go to God and, you know, if you make a mistake or you slip up, go to Him and say, I've made a mistake. Just be honest about it. Confess it. Get before God and say, I shouldn't have done this. And in that moment, I'll tell you right now, when you've made that mistake, don't quit. Don't quit. I, I want to tell you that if you experience temptation, that's not a sin. Plenty of people are tempted, but you don't have to act on it. But the devil, he's smart. So what he will do is he'll try to tempt you and then make you feel guilty about being tempted. Why? Because if he can put shame on you for either making a mistake or even being tempted to make a mistake, he's just gonna reinsert you back into that vicious loop, that lust loop. Because if he can put enough shame on you, hopefully his plan is that it'll drive you to a place where you wanna start to feel good about yourself again. What that ends up doing is driving people back towards the very problem that they're trying to get rid of. Can I tell you something about the gospel of Jesus Christ? God loves you. I'm repeating myself on purpose. God loves you. He wants to help you. Jesus came to forgive you of your sins before you did anything right. You, you weren't self-righteous. You didn't come to God and say, hey, I made it on my own. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. The Scriptures say to us that God sent His one and only Son from heaven to earth to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it, but in order that it would be saved by Him. He came here to save and He still wants to save. He's still here to heal. The Holy Spirit still wants to help. So don't get caught up in what the enemy would love to, how he'd love to tear you down. No, 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 no. Be smarter than that. You are loved by God. You will be forgiven by God and the grace of God will be on your life. I love what Romans 8.38 says. Paul wrote that, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including pornography, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is with you. He wants to help you. He wants to walk with you. And like I say, I know many people have said, God, take this away from me. And that's good, like that you want these issues to not be a problem anymore. But I think the reality is every now and then you actually do need to tell someone. Because if confessing it to God over and over and saying sorry and sorry and sorry, if that had have worked, you'd be clear already. And if it hasn't been working, you, you gotta go to the next level and just tell someone. You gotta find someone that you can trust, someone that you know has your back and will help you. And there are all kinds of people that you can go to. I hope you have these people in your life. For example, if you're, a, if you're a teen that's struggling with this, maybe the person that you can go to is your parent. 
If you're married, maybe the person that you can go to is your spouse. And if you can go to your spouse, that's awesome. It's so great. But it's not always a great option, depending on how they take it. Because oftentimes when a spouse hears that their significant other has been engaging in pornography, they feel totally betrayed by that. And so that's a really difficult thing. And if a spouse was ever to open up to you and say, this is what I'm struggling with, and you were likely to be so betrayed that you weren't able to help them, you, you may need to end up getting some counselling yourself. You may need to get some counselling as a couple, but it's good to go and tell someone. And I, I would say this to parents and spouses alike. If someone or anyone, no matter the relationship, was to come to you and say, this is an issue for me and I'm trying hard, I wanted to confess it. The reason they're doing that is because they're so desperate to help and they're taking a huge risk in telling you. They're risking being exposed. They're risking being judged, but they must be so desperate and so interested in getting clear that they're at a point where they say, I will tell you. And so if you're a person that, that has in people in your life that might come and say that to you, try to even get ahead of that situation. And in fact, it might even be a good idea to just tell the people that you love in your life already, just process it, get there ahead of time and just open the door for it and say, I just want you to know, kids, I just want you to know, sweetheart, I just want you to know that if you ever came to me with this problem, that I would fully support you. And even though it would be difficult for me, I would do everything I can to be in your corner and I would do everything I can to help you. And if you can do that, you can stand together. Oh, I think that's probably your best shot with the help and the power of God to actually get out of this vicious cycle that you have been caught in. If you don't have anyone like that in your life, we're gonna give you some options here at Bright Church. Why? Because we're in your corner because we're not here to judge anyone. We know how many people get caught up in this stuff. We wanna see people be free. We wanna see marriages be healthy. We wanna see people have great relationships. And should you choose to fight this, or should you choose to flee from it? Should you choose to engage this topic and say, that's it, I've gotta get clear. I've gotta get clean. I need a clean heart. Should you do that? I'll tell you that spiritually, you'll be better off. Emotionally, you'll be better off. Relationally, you'll be better off. Physically, you'll be better off. Every area of your life will improve. It's time to declare war on lust, amen? amen. Stand to your feet. Not surprisingly, I'm not gonna do an altar call and call you out the front. <laughs> What I will do is I'm gonna pray for every single person in this room. Some of you, this is really gonna hit home and it's gonna mean more to you maybe than the person next to you, but let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you love us so much and that nothing can separate us from your love. God, we know that it's not your plan for anyone to be caught in any kind of sexual addiction. And God, I pray that today as we stand before you, humbly for some people just acknowledging that, that there are some issues here. It struck a chord. It's like we're speaking straight into their life right now. Father, I pray that they would feel the presence of Your Spirit. That God, for, for some people, 
that maybe you're engaging it and not feeling anything, God, I pray that you would come and convict them because God, you've created everyone. You've created them for more than this. And Lord, far from calling out, Lord, today we call up. I pray that the calling, the anointing, the appointing that's on the lives of the people that are in this room would not be disrupted by the addictions that are in their hearts, the wrong things that are being stored in their hearts. Father, we pray in Jesus' Name for every person in this room. God, I pray, because we, we believe in power, God, but we also believe in process. I pray for power today, that Lord, it would be like a starting gun moment that releases them and says, I am going to tackle this issue today. But God, I pray that it's not just all put into that category of God, you can do it in the power moment, but there is process that's followed up outside of this. And Father, I pray for freedom. You came to set the captives free. And so in Jesus' Name, I pray that anyone that's here that feels captive today would have someone in their life that they can speak to. And I just speak freedom over their life. In Jesus' mighty Name, I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.